Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights episode with Tim Trout, longtime friend and former colleague, but now director of product development at Panini, doing a great job. And this is his origin story. I was aware of some of it, but I learned something even for people that used to work for me. I get to figure out the before, during, and after, and it's a lot of fun. So thanks, Tim. Thanks also other sponsors besides Panini, Tops and Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Rating, Beckett Authentication. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy. Tim Trout, welcome to the show. My origin story, back to my childhood, of course, like many of us. I started collecting cards when I was little. My dad got me a few cards here and there. I played baseball all my life and still do at this age. I can't quit that, but I love baseball. And I started at a young age with my dad giving me some cards when I played. My very first card show was back in 1983. And my dad wanted to take me to one of these because I was really into it. And we got to meet Brooks Robinson, which was one of his guys. He liked Mickey Mantle, of course, like a lot of guys his age. And he liked Brooks Robinson, got to meet him. Actually, I was a Cubs fan growing up because they were on WGN. What part of the country was this? I grew up in Iowa, right in the middle of the country. I was on the eastern part of Iowa. So we were about three hours from Chicago. I grew up a Cubs fan, but that very first card show, I remember going there. And I remember spending a couple of dollars and I bought a Cubs team set. And it was 83 tops. And there was my love for Rhino. So good start. Yeah. So I loved Ryan Sandberg. He was my favorite player. Growing up, I was a second baseman. And then I moved to short as I got a little bit bigger. How much did you pay for that team set? Um, it was a dollar ninety-five. <laughs> and I will not forget that price for whatever reason. It just stuck with me. I'd take two or three. I should have. <laughs> See, and that's the thing. You look back and you're like, man, I should have bought more of that. I didn't, but that's honestly where I started. And David Porter would have bought him out. Oh, he would have said how much for every. How much for the whole table? But yeah, that was where I started. Obviously, I've done it forever. And I never really quit. I thought once I got to college, I would get away from it. But I really didn't because I played baseball. And I didn't really have a whole lot of time to work. So I did a little buying and selling of cards to have some money through college. I don't want to say it, but maybe some beer money through college. It covered me a little bit here and there. And I just never really stopped. Obviously, once I got through college and we moved to Dallas and started at Beckett. And then to this day, my wife still wants to know, why do we keep getting packages that look like their cards? Because they are. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have to open them in secret? What do you say? Uh, I always joke about that. I have to sneak them in. I tell a lot of guys in the office, I have to sneak things in and under the cover of darkness, leave them in the truck. But she's, she's gotten used to it. She's gotten to the point now that she's just so used to it. She's almost numb to the fact that, hey, you have some more cards here. Actually, she's been a trooper. We have a lot of cards at the house and she enjoys looking at some of them because I've now gotten my son into it. There's a sports card inside here. I'm wondering what percentage of the packages look like cards or don't look like cards because there's a real art to mailing cards through the mail. Oh, for sure. Make them not look like cards so they won't be pirated or or, uh, intercepted. Yeah. Not to hide from your wife, but just to hide from (laughs) exactly thinking, oh, this is a big box. But nowadays people, if it was a big box of cards, they'd leave it alone. If it was a plain white envelope, that had a certain feel to it, it oh, might yeah. go missing. In all my time buying off of eBay, and I actually buy off the Beckham Marketplace, I've only had one card package go missing. So I've had some really solid luck, but I think most of mine, they show up in the kind of yellow bubble envelopes, an occasional white envelope, but a lot of boxes because as I tell people, I'm also a volume shooter. <laughs> like volume. Are you, are you buying an opened or collection? I, I buy a whole lot of unopened stuff. Working at Panini, we obviously have a lot of QC. We get to open a lot. So I get all that experience here at the office. 
through work, most of the unopened stuff that I buy to open is with my son. Whenever I take him to a show, he'll like to get a box and go home and open it later. Or he's stopping at Target or Walmart and picking up something. My wife hates to send me, but loves to send me to get some snacks for the kid's lunch. Because I always come home with a couple blasters. You're happy to go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, the other stuff I buy a lot of like either collections or like I said, I still collect Sandberg and like grew up. I like Griffey. I like Michael Jordan. So obviously when I'm buying those guys, I'm not buying quite as much with those last two, but I still missing a card. I find it. I have to go track it. I think there's a small percentage of the people, but very vocal collectors that really are all about the grails. Yeah. After huge cards. My sense, I'm not like that. Uh, my sense is maybe you're not like that. You're not, you just want, I want good card. I want exactly. good card I enjoy. And I think that's most of the hobby, but it's not most of the publicity. So well, what, do you, you know, what do you say to somebody that's only interested in having a really small collection? What I tell people, I coach baseball too. So I have a lot of kids around that are getting into it. And I always tell them, most everyone I talk to, I tell the same thing. Find something you love and find something that you're passionate about. And that's the best thing to collect. If you're passionate about that holy grail and you only want to have a couple cards, then do that. Because at the end of the day, I know people are always worried about how much things are worth. In my time at Beckett, obviously, we are very concerned with how much things are worth. But at the end of the day, what I tell people is, look, your pictures of athletes, for the most part, you're buying trading cards with athletes, sometimes autographs, memorabilia, whatever. But you're buying stuff, make sure you buy something you love. Because at the end of the day, if the value goes up, that's great. But if it doesn't, Buy something you enjoy so the value doesn't matter nearly as much, Tim, and especially telling that to the young kids. Okay, Tim, so are you saying that as a representative Panini that you don't care about the secondary market for cards? No, I would never say that. No. It matters. The value. It, it truly does. It truly does because that is a big motivator for a lot of people that are in this industry, in this business. We saw probably in what, about 2017, 2018, we saw a real influx of people into the industry. And a lot of them were focused solely on values. And I think there's a place for everybody in this industry, whether you're just collecting your favorite player and you're not worried about the values, you're a young kid who's just getting started. But that value stuff, that value equation starts coming along a little bit later when a nine, 10 year old kid, they're not as focused on how much it's worth. Maybe they are. But as you get into your teenage years or a little bit older, when money becomes a little more dominant in your life where you need it to go out on dates or you want to go to the movies or whatever you do, it becomes more of a motivating factor. So you start thinking more monetarily on the trading cards. Panini has such a, they're created the rainbow aspect of so many different versions of a player. But I'm just wondering, sure. are there collectors that are so grail oriented that if they get a card of their favorite player in a pack or in a break that they open, but it's only a $50 card, is that chopped liver? Or are they real here? Because are they are, when they're a huge Ken Griffey Jr. collector and they don't have the card and it's a $50 card, are they thinking, I only collect $1,000 and up? What's you know, the rationale there? I don't know. Like I said, I mean, people are so different and the collections are so different with different people have different motivations. Like I told you, I'm a volume shooter. If I want the 87 Fleer Sandberg, I'll take a hundred of them. Or as Mike Payne laughed at me when I found a lot of 888 top Sandbergs and I bought it for 15 or $20. And I'm like, and my wife even would ask, why do you buy, why were, why did you buy 800? And I'm like, cause that's all he had. But yeah, I mean, I think some people are motivated only. Oh, great. It's a $50 one. I only collect because and maybe it comes down to space with a lot of people. And I always thought there was something to be said about that because I'm pretty fortunate. My wife let me take over a bedroom in the house and a couple closets and attics. And, and it comes down to space for some people. And if you want to have that primo collection that you want to show off, it's got to be high dollar. 
like I said, I think there's a spot for everybody in there, but to me, I want all the cards. Are you able to convince your wife with your purchase of the 88 Sandbergs that these are nominally price guide value, 50 cent cards? Yeah. And yeah, I, I just I, got I, them for two cents. You so know, it, me. <laughs> it's so funny you mentioned that because about two weeks ago, I was bidding on a lot of Ryan Sandberg cards and my son goes, why are you buying all these? And I said, because he goes, how much are they worth? I said, we're all worth probably like $2 a piece for most of these different cards. And he goes, and you're only paying, he goes, that's worth like $300. I'm like, uh-huh. And he goes, and you're only paying $8 for it. I said, yeah. And he goes, I go tell your mother what you just, the problem is when you go to sell them. Exactly. It's a little uh, more challenging. You it out or you can different ways, but to the time is valuable. So basically what's I think fun for some people to know about you is that collecting or buying and selling was I'd gig back when you were in college. Yeah. And it still is. Even though you're at Panini, you love cards. I do. I love them so much. And like I said, I see you at the shows all the time. And it's funny because we dig through the same boxes. So I have to get better at boxing out to get good space out there. Are Um, you like me in the sense that I'm looking for things that I haven't seen that look interesting? Yes. So if I haven't seen it and it looks interesting, a dollar and under, I'm not that worried. I'm not, I can't. You're not losing money. Yeah. I'm going to have fun with it. It might be something that's obscure that I just, I've forgotten things and things I maybe used to know it, but if I haven't seen it for 20 years. Yeah. I go to those shows. I love to buy just cards. One, I look for players that I collect. And as I've gotten a little older, I've gotten to collect a few other players that I really appreciate. I love Cal Ripken. I love just some of these guys have good stories with them that I really like to collect. Like Tim Tebow's one that I, you don't see him a whole lot in the dollar box, but he's just exactly. he's such a good human. And it's yeah. like, I can't not collect those because at some point, obviously I share these cards with my son. And when I'm showing the cards off, I love to tell stories about these players, what I know. And sometimes I'll look up stuff about the players and share some stories and we can talk about, because, you know, I don't want to be the guy where the kid's out there and, and they're like, you've heard of King Grave Jr. My kid's like, no idea who it is. And you're like, oh, I failed as a father. I want to be that guy, <laughs> you know? But I love to buy stuff that I haven't seen and stuff that was, especially when I was younger, stuff that was hard for me to pull a lot of packs, tough inserts. Okay. Would you rather look at cards for sale at a show? There's a double shoe and it's a double shoe of cards and it's for sale individually or a group, whatever, or a different uh, double shoe that's cards that are not for sale, that are just for viewing at the show or a double shoe that you have of your own cards that you have or a double shoe of cards that you haven't looked at for 20 years. I'll tell you. Which one do you want to look at? I want to look at somebody else's cards that are for sale, Tim. I do too. I do too. Because, but then again, I also wouldn't mind looking at some of the cards that aren't for sale. Cause I think everything's for sale. <laughs> <laughs> no, I obviously would like to look at someone else's cards for sale, but having said that, I still love looking at my cards, especially when I buy cards. Like when we go through, we go through these dollar boxes and I get home with a few hundred cards. I'll get home and I'll flip through them that night and be like, oh, I'm so happy I bought these. I'll put them in a box and they'll sit there. And then I'll have this great intention of at some point, I'm going to sort them, put them in binders, wherever they need to go, sort them out by a player. But inevitably things come up and life keeps me busy. And a year from now, I've got three or four of those shoe boxes that I haven't looked at. And I'm like, digging through them again. And it's so wonderful going through these boxes. Like yesterday, I was watching some college baseball and I was just flipping channels because my wife, she was just hanging out watching movies all day. And I was just digging through boxes and I just love looking through going, I'm so happy. Forgot about these, forgot about this. And I love going through it. I totally agree. I do the same (laughs) thing. But here's another thing that I don't know that I do. 
<clears throat> or you do, but I don't necessarily sort football cards when I'm watching football on TV or oh, okay. sort basketball when I'm watching basketball on TV. I just have a rotation and I'm the sport is that I'm working on. I kind of work through basketball done with that. I do foot. It's like the magazine schedule. I do baseball yeah. when that's done. I do basketball, that's uh, yeah. done. football. And then I get to hockey. And then when I get done, I go back around. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, my primary is baseball. But I love basketball just because I named my son Jordan for a reason. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how I got that past my wife. No, she was from Chicago, so it was a little easier. Now, we, I, for me, it's I'm 90% of what I'm going through is baseball. Yeah. And then probably 8 or 9% is basketball and then a little bit of football. Yeah, most of the dollar boxes are organized by sport nowadays. I think there's yeah. a, a little bit of a science to it. They throw a few good things in there and some basic kind of stuff in there. But if they do it by sport, that really helps a lot. It really sure. helps a lot. And For it's sure. the whole reason that Dollar Box started is that it's just hard to look up the prices of cards. You know, it's a better yeah. card and it can't be, it's not a fabulous card, but it's a pretty good card. You just throw it in there, but it's easy to sort by sport. It's not easy to sort by team. It's not easy to sort by player. It's not easy to sort even by number. Uh, you, oh, can cards come out so fast. you can sort by attribute. You can sort yeah, like sure. superior does. Yeah. And there so many cards are released and it, they come out so fast. If you are a shop owner, I don't know how you would keep up. It's I mean, as far fault. as sorting. Panini's fault. Okay. Yes. I blame coming me. Coming no, out no, with no, a no. lot of cards continually. Yeah. Uh, that's, but would we have it any other way? No. If no. Because every six months, how dynamic would that be? Yeah. That would. Yeah, as hard as it is to track that stuff. And I remember working at Beckett and it's like, okay, we got a new one, got a price, got a new one, got a price, got a new one, got a price. But then on top of that, you still have to price everything else. And then you have to go all the way back and there's just product after product. However, as a collector, I love the variety. Yeah, Yeah. And I love the chase. I love the variety. I wouldn't want it any other way. 